Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And surely he our sorrows. And by his drops we are healed. Amen. This is a different kind of a service tonight. We are here together to have a, this time of communion with the Lord and to receive from Him of His grace, His mercies. Scripture said that we were singing about He was wounded for our transgressions. He took bruises for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on Him and with His stripes we were healed. This is what Calvary means. This is what he did for us. He forgives us of our sins and he heals all our diseases. In this service tonight, there will be miracles. In this service tonight, there will be healings. In this service tonight, God will meet you here at the altar. He's a neat supplier. And you can't have a desire from God except God knows what that desire is. And he's your kinsman. He cares. And he's here to provide for you tonight. Let's go to him in prayer as we speak to him just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus that we we come now before your throne of grace. Some weeks ago, I shared with the congregation that I had something very special for this service tonight. I asked, Lord, that you would bless us together and anoint the service, Lord, as we gather in your name. Lord, we believe your word and we accept your promises. They are yea and amen. They are yes. Yes, always yes. And we say yes to them because they're our promises. We're asking God tonight. As we come to you, the deliverer, the delivering God, the healer God, the saving God. That you'll come and meet the needs of your children tonight. As we pass by this table and we each one take our portion of the bread and the wine, I pray, Lord, that each one will receive that healing they are desiring in their hearts and lives. Some of it may be emotionally, spiritually, physically. Whatever the situation is, you're the need supplier and we believe and we confess. We ask in the name of Jesus as we read the word together tonight. May our hearts be just enjoined with the Word until us and the Word become the same, until we believe the Word just as it is written, and we speak it as it is to be spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you. 
We're going to turn to Psalms 105 and verse 37. I have one verse of scripture for, um, from this Psalms here. There's a lot more that we could read, of course. And then we will turn to the familiar scripture in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. But for now, Psalms 105, verse 37. I want to just say, uh, while you're turning there, thank you very much for the wonderful Thanksgiving Christmas dinner that we had today. We so appreciate it, all of your participation in it. We got the best cooks in the whole wide world. There ain't nothing like Southern cooking. I guess you heard me say that, right? There ain't nothing like it. Amen. So we certainly appreciate you and your contribution and this time that we've had to share together. I didn't get to speak to every person, but... I'll tell you, I love every one of you. God bless you. Psalms 105, verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Read it with me, will you? He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take heed, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for the other. Amen. God bless you. You can have your seats. Now, as we come to this particular service tonight, it's something that I've had on my heart for a long time to share with you and to speak about. We're going to be speaking on healing in the communion. And I, I want to first of all read about four different quotes of, from Brother Branham before we go into the, the scripture and the teaching of the word so that you will know that what I am ministering on tonight is something that is supported by the messenger. And um, Brother Branham would say this in Jubilee year. He said, now, we're going to have communion service just in a few minutes. How many believes in communion? Thank you. That's what Jesus Christ asks us to do, to take the broken parts of his body and do it until he returned again.
And if you believe this to be the truth and you'd like to have this little time of fellowship with us around the Word of God here, we'd be happy for you to stay with us and have this time. If not, we're going to dismiss just in a few moments. We'd like you to stay with the, with the rest anyhow so that you'll be able to see the way we take the communion. This is not only, this is, uh, this is far also for divine healing. Did you know that? When Israel ate the type, the lamb, the Passover, they journeyed 40 years in the wilderness and come out without one feeble person in their midst. Think of that. Not one feeble person, 40 years, the communion, a sign of believers. And then he tells us in the message, Comforter, he, it's a, in his prayer, he says, Father, we realize that when this was first ordered, Back yonder in the wilderness and back in Egypt, the Paschal Lamb was slain. They journeyed 40 years, and there wasn't a feeble one among the two million that came out. You kept them in health while they taken the Passover. Oh, God, heal every sick person that comes forward. Grant it, Lord, save every sinner, fill every believer with the Holy Ghost, and may the Comforter abide until he's made flesh among us in the person of Jesus Christ again. For we ask it in his name. Also, in um, another message, the, uh, which is called ordination, he said, you know that communion has divine healing in it. When the Israelites in type took the communion and marched 40 years, and when they came out of the wilderness, there wasn't one feeble one among them, two and a half million people. There is power of healing in the communion. And then in the message of contest, which will be my final quote that I'll read tonight, and we realize that in the communion there is strength. Israel took the communion first down in Egypt and walked 40 years without their shoes Wearing out, are their clothes getting threadbare? And out of two million people, there wasn't a feeble one among them when they come out of the wilderness. Lord, let us remember that tonight as we approach this great hour, in Jesus' name we pray. So all of these uh, different quotations show us that, that Brother Branham established that he believed there was, there was um, divine healing in communion. I think of um, Brother Ron Spencer when I shared with him my, my uh, text for tonight. He, he shared back with me that his mother went through the communion line one time and she had, uh, she had lumps in her breast and there went through the communion line, claimed her healing and, and um, you know, God completely, totally did away with all the lumps in her breast because God's a healer. Amen. And so tonight we're going to be speaking about healing, divine healing in the Lord's Supper. Now God has an attitude towards sickness, and he showed that attitude in Jesus Christ. And, and he showed that everywhere that Jesus went, he healed the sick. He cast out devils. He brought deliverance to God's people. You see, God places no value on sickness. And he doesn't want you to suffer sickness for his glory. Sickness does not glorify God any more than sin glorifies God. Now, it's deliverance from sickness is what glorifies God. When you are, when you are delivered, that brings glory to God. 
but your sickness don't give God glory. I hope you understand the difference. Now, Paul told the church at Corinth that many were sick and weak and sickly among them because they were not discerning the Lord's body. And then he tells us the reason for this is, and this is why, again, there's still so much sickness in the church today is because the church is not discerning the Lord's body. And just simple that. You know, it's not that God is purifying or glorifying his church through affliction. It's not that God is testing his children's faith. That's not the reason for it. The reason we're having sickness in the church is because we're not discerning the Lord's body. This is what the Bible teaches. That we're failing to discern and realize what Christ did for us at Calvary. Now, Jesus told us to cast out demons of afflictions. He did not tell us to live with them. Amen. And since sickness is a demon, it doesn't glorify God. You ever hear of a, a demon glorifying God? No. So it doesn't glorify God for us to live with demons. Jesus commissioned us to cast them out. That is the work, the principal work of the church is to cast Satan out. Amen. Now, there, there are two basic parts to the communion we have right here before us. And there are two parts to it. There is the bread, there is the wine. And so, the, and, and, the, and of course, for the Passover, there were two parts of the Passover. There was the blood of the lamb and the body of the lamb. All right? So sickness is due, though, when we, when we fail to be taught about the body of Christ that is represented by the bread, like we have been taught about the blood of Christ that is represented by the wine. Now, we all know about the blood. We know it cleanses us from sin. Is that right? We understand the necessity of the wine representing the blood. But do we understand what the bread is about? Do we understand why the bread? I mean, we have the part of the blood which is the life of the grapes that is squeezed out to make the wine and representing the life that was squeezed out of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, amen, that, that cleanses us from all sin. Are you with me? But, but again, are we understanding what the bread is about? Are we really comprehending and accepting our deliverance as, as was given by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Now, why, why is it that there's so many um, Christians in the church that, that is sick or infirm and suffering from the very diseases and the sicknesses that Jesus Christ, our substitute, has already paid for us? Amen. He paid it in full, did he not? Amen. So again, he, he suffered that so we could be healed. Now, I understand it's our mortality that well, why we are sick. And as long as we're mortal, there's going to be sickness. But at the same time, we're dealing with something here to say there is also a remedy for that sickness, and that's divine healing. Is that right? Now, Paul would say it was the lack of understanding the Lord's body as represented by the blood. And so we're, I'm just posing the question, do we really comprehend? Are we coming with revelation of what the bread means? You see, the, there the church at Corinth, 
It was a very small church. Probably maybe 15, 20 people. I'm not sure what the number of them. We hear that Ephesus, Ephesian church was 12. But uh, how many Corinthians was, I'm not sure, but it wasn't a large church. Perhaps it, it was not, not nearly the size of our congregation here today. But there were many that was weak and sickly members. Many of them were sick and others were dying prematurely. Now, you know, the church in the wilderness in contrast, was a much larger church. It was a congregation of about three million. Now, if you didn't like big churches, you wouldn't want to be a part of Moses' church. Hello. Amen. So he had about three million, yet in this church, there was not one feeble person among their tribes. How many believes that? Amen. I believe it. The Bible has said not one feeble member among their tribe. Three million. And yet, here are two churches. One in the Old Testament. The other in the New Testament. One under law. The other under grace. One under the covenant of the blood of bulls and goats. And another under the covenant sealed by a much greater blood. The blood of Christ. Amen. This blood is a a tremendous blood. It's a tremendous worth. The blood of millions of of sheep and goat could never take away sin. Could only cover sin. It could not take away sin. Somebody with me? But the blood of Jesus Christ can take away the sin of the whole world. So in comparison there, 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 the worth of the blood of God, the blood of Jesus Christ was, was way inestimable worth because it covers the sins of the whole world of every individual. Now, so again, yet there was not one sick or feeble person among these three million people who lived under the old covenant. They were, and that old covenant was established with the blood of bulls and goats. And yet, on the other hand, there was many that were sick and weakly among the, that small church of Corinthians. And they lived under a new covenant. And it was established by the blood of Jesus Christ. It was a greater covenant. It was a greater blood. It was a greater power. But yet, these Christians were not enjoying the benefits of what the covenant provided. Now, surely there was something that was lacking at the Corinthian church. I mean, something, no doubt, is even lacking today when when we see the sick is not healed. I'm going to say to you, it is very, very wrong for the sick not to be healed. Very wrong. When we bring up the sick before us, I'm quoting Brother Branham. I told you I wouldn't read another, but here's one. When we bring up the sick before us and, we, and they fail to be healed, he says, we need to call a solemn fast. Call an assembly. Something's wrong somewhere. God made a promise. God's got to stick to that promise. And he will do it. So this is, this is what he, he lays it out. When we have the sick and they're not healed. Amen. We need to call a solemn fast because we're not coming right at the promise. Amen. Now, 
For 400 years, the children of Israel had lived down in Egypt. Egypt had made slaves out of God's people. They had many, many difficult years of, of slavery. And they, these years passed while they served as slaves down in a heathen nation. And they spent long hours crying in prayer for deliverance. But one day, it came time. The iniquity of the Amorites became full. Amen. It was time now for God to cleanse that land and bring another people in. And God heard their groanings and God remembered the covenant that he made with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect toward them. You remember that in the Bible. God chose a man by the name of Moses to whom he said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. And I've heard their cry by the reason of the taskmasters. And I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them. I'll tell you, when God comes down, something's going to happen. That's why when we've been preaching about Revelation 10, one, you know, it's God coming down for a specific purpose here in this end time. Amen. So God told Moses, come now, therefore, and I'll send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people out of, out of Egypt. Well, I want you to know tonight, God still hears the prayers of his people. Amen. Oh, yes. In fact, to the, uh, the, the matter, if you remember this morning, in, uh, as we were reading of Revelation 5, the saints those four and twenty elders was holding prayers, golden vials full of odors, which were prayers of the saints. But if we'd have studied a little further and looked in Revelation 8, we would have seen the seventh seal and the prayers are poured out. And they're mixed with incense and they come in the presence of God. God had a, you see, there were prayers that were prayed and none of them goes unanswered. Yet some could not be answered in their time. Many had prayed, even the last prayer that John the Revelator prayed, he prayed, even so come Lord Jesus. Well, he couldn't come in that age and time. He had you in mind. So there was, there was many generations of his offspring that he would see. And so he held them up. They were stored and shown and stored up in a vial or a bowl. And they're held there until that he breaks the silence under the seventh seal. And when he does, he pours out the prayers of the saints for his coming. And it is mixed with the, the, the uh, incense. And it, it comes up into the presence of God. And God then starts with, with, uh, with the Bible says, with thunderings and lightning and earthquakes up on the earth. And an upheaval begins as the seventh seal opens, breaking the silence of his coming. And the coming of the Lord begins to be in motion. And friend, you are living in that time where the coming of the Lord is in progress. But it's only now in this day that he can answer those prayers. So now they're mixed with the prayers. The prayers are mixed with the incense and rise up into his presence received by God. And in response to it, he sends Elijah the prophet, as promised in Malachi 4, to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. I say glory to God. God has not forgot his people. 
You're in a day, you are living in a day of God's remembrance. He's remembering every promise that he ever made. And he's going to bring to pass that which he has prophesied and said through the word down to the ages. Now, but God still hears the prayers of those in bondage. He speaks these same words to everyone who needs to deliver. He says, I am, I am come down. I am here to deliver. Didn't we see that in the prophetical ministry of Brother Branham? We saw God present here to deliver. Amen. Then our message must not be any different from that. God is here for the purpose of deliverance. Now Moses would obey God's call to deliver God's people. He showed many signs and wonders down in Egypt. And the final step came and God said to him, I want you to speak to the children of Israel. And uh, what I want you to do is tell them to take every one of them, every man a lamb and kill it. I want you to take the blood and I want you to strike it on the two sides of the, of the post and the upper door posts of the house. And then I want you to eat the flesh of the lamb, it is the Lord's Passover. So this would be, you know, some uh, one of the final things that God would do before they left Egypt. He would give them the token of his blood. And that blood would be the protection against the death angel that was in the land. Are you with me? Now, Again, we are here now in another end time. And God has provided a token of his blood. Somebody with me? Amen. This token of his blood is to protect us from the death angel. Amen. I'm not talking about COVID-19. I'm talking about sin and the unbelief of sin. Are you with me? Now, but it is a time where the token must be displayed. It couldn't be just kept in a pot in the house. It had to be displayed on the doorpost. Everyone entering that house would have to come under the token of that blood, the sign of that blood. That sign would say, there's a lamb that died in this house. A lamb has already provided the atonement and death is already here. Now, Brother Branham said this about the token. Again, I forgot to add another one. But here's another one from the token where he says, when Peter and John passed through the gate called Beautiful, there was laid a man that had been crippled, lame from his mother's womb, and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ and Nazareth, rise up and walk. And they talked to them, and they knew that they were ignorant and unlearned men, and they, but they had taken them notice to them they had been with Jesus. You see, the token was their displaying, such as I have. Now we get an understanding of the displaying of the Holy Ghost. The token must be on display. There must be have somebody have something to give to those that are suffering and in need to bring deliverance. Are you with me? 
Now, so the token was there displaying such as I have. See a poor fallen brother laying there, crippled and disfigured and everything. And the same life that was in Christ was in them, such as I have. In the, my name you shall cast out devils. Not I will, you will. If you say this mountain, not if I say, but if you say to this mountain. Amen. Oh, brother, the hour of that token to be displayed is at hand. We can see it. We know we're at the end. We've brought up all kinds of messages to show the, the signs and wonders. And now we're here and we come, we come back for what the church has got to do. The token has to be displayed. So there has to come a time when the blood of Christ is on display. Come on. Where the life of Jesus Christ is on display in a people and it will be manifested by the signs and wonders that follows them that believe. Now, so we are in a time of displaying the token. Understand, it must be displayed. Now, they had applied the blood, but they also ate the flesh. There were two things they were commanded to do. Apply the blood of the lamb and eat the flesh of the lamb. Now, most don't realize the, this eating of the lamb, it's just as important as the partaking of the blood. So the destroyer would pass through Egypt and slay the firstborn in every family, which was a type of spiritual death, which comes to every person outside of God's covenant. And, and again, you know, the destroyer would pass through, but they were protected under the blood. But I want you to know, there was not just one step, there were two steps. Amen. Just like with this communion, there's not just one element, there's two elements. There is blood and there is bread. Now get these things, get these things in mind, we're pointing out about the communion tonight. These two steps that Israel had to do. First, there was to be a lamb slain. Its blood was to be applied to the doorpost of every house. It was to identify them as being under God's covenant of protection. God said, the blood shall be for you for a token where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. How many remembers that? Amen. And the plague shall not come upon you to destroy you. You see, this represents in type our identification by faith with the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb. So now we're being justified by faith, by his blood. We are saved from the wrath that is to come. Amen. So that's number one. But number two, second thing is, Every Israelite had to eat the lamb's flesh. Amen. And this was for a different reason. This was not for protection from sin, nor the death angel. This was for physical strength for the journey. Eating the lamb was for physical strength. Eating, drinking, the, or, or applying the blood was to protect them from the death angel. But eating the lamb was for the strength for the journey. 
Amen. For physical strength. If the deliverance from slavery then meant healing for the body also, then delivery tonight from the slavery of sin must provide for healing also. You can't have one without the other. Amen. If you got, if you got the wine, you got to have the bread to go with it. If you got the blood of the lamb, you got to have the body of the lamb to go with it. So you see, there has to be divine healing that is included in the promise. Now, if it was in the Passover then, and we now have a greater lamb and a greater Passover, then healing must be provided in this Passover. Eating the lamb's flesh had nothing to do with the passing of the destroyer. The blood was the sign of the token. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You see, the destroyer had no authority to touch that house. Amen. Israel was beginning a journey, and as they started that journey, which is a type of our own Christian journey, amen, God planned that his children for that journey would be well and to be strong for this journey. And I want you to know tonight, that's still God's plan. God wants you to be well. God wants you to be healthy. God, God wants a people that believes his word and proclaims that word for our own healing and deliverance. It's God's desire for you. Third John 1 and 2 said, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou might prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. God wants you to be well. It's the wrong thinking. God wants you to suffer. God wants you to be healed. Amen. So, well, this is for God's glory. It might result in God's glory. But God don't get any glory out of you being sick. God gets glory when you're healed. Amen. Now, the lamb's body, when they ate it, it became their body. Think of that. What happened, to the, what happened to the flesh of that animal? Here they eat the lamb by digesting the food. It's sent right into the bloodstream. And it, its chemical essence becomes flesh of our flesh and bone of our bone and skin of our skin and body of our body. It becomes a part of us. The flesh or the body of the lamb slain in Egypt was eaten. And when it was eaten, it became a part of every Israelite, it became their flesh, their bones, their skin, their body. It's a type of the body of Jesus Christ who became the slain lamb. Now, Paul said that we, by faith, we, we have become members of the body of his flesh and of his bones. We partake of that same body of Christ in type every time we take of the bread of the communion service. If you listen to Brother Branham in uh, Great Shining Light, he said, Thou shalt see in thy heart disease move from my child. And this is the way I want you to approach the communion tonight. You'll be saying in your heart, disease, you Move from my child. Disease, move from my body. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And don't doubt. And right there, 
good germs take on new armor and new weapons and the enemy begins to back up. He is defeated because Christ in the drinking of his myrrh at Calvary defeated the devil and every one of his power and he stripped him of everything he had and he's nothing but a bluff. Somebody ought to have said hallelujah. Amen. What, what did he, he said when you, when you begin to pray and believe and you begin to say, disease move from my child, move from my body, he said, good germs. Amen. Begin to take on new armor and begin to get in a new weapon. And the enemy begins to back up. You know, God designed your body to heal itself. That when cancer comes in, it's to have, it's to have the, the, the different, I don't know the medical terms, but the, I'll just use for the term just, uh, just for a lay boy's uh, explanation. The antibodies in your body begins to work, begins to throw out the, the bad cells, begin to conquer them. Come on. Amen. That's exactly what happens. And when we begin to pray, God begins to cause a, a something a stir within your body that awakens your own immune system to throw out that disease. That's what's going to happen tonight when you come to this communion. God's going to anoint your body to start throwing out the disease and the affliction that's bothering it. Now, faith recognizes that fact. It claims the promised benefits because Jesus was beaten for me. In death, which, which bore all our physical infirmities, our pains, our diseases, and weakness. Like I said, at Calvary, you know, when he, when he was, took those stripes, when he was beat on the head with a rod... Amen. For everyone that had a headache, or that has a headache, or is troubled with headaches. Are you here tonight? Amen. Jesus took the beatings on his head and received headaches in your stead. So that you could be healed. You say, I've got back pain. He took stripes on his back so that your back could be healed. You say, I've got foot pains. He took the nails in his feet so that by what he suffered at Calvary, you could be free from the sickness that wants to come against your body for by whose stripes we were healed. Is that the word or isn't it the word? Now the Israelites would eat the lamb's body they would begin their journey the very next day. And as they journeyed, their sickness vanished. Their infirmities disappeared. They were physically strong and whole. Oh, granny sitting there in the corner there and laying on her deathbed and about to be, you know, there's planning her funeral because she wouldn't make it on this journey. She took a bite of that lamb. The strength of that lamb came in her. And she got up shouting, I ain't going to take nothing for my journey now. I'm going to this promised land with the rest of you. I'm telling you, there was not one feeble one among them. 
No one was sick. No one was feeble. No one was weak. Every one of them among them was strong and well and healthy. They'd eaten the lamb's body. And they, that body had become a part of their own body. And three million people. And there wasn't a feeble one among them. That I read that in the Bible? You got to believe that. If you believe Jesus rose, then you know that same power happened. That three million went on their journey and not a feeble one. That's an incredible. Brother Branham would preach a sermon called Dr. Moses. And he said, I wonder what kind of prescription was in his bag. He said, every time they got sick, he just reached in there and brought it out. I am the Lord God that heals all thy diseases. I will put none of the diseases upon you that is put upon the Egyptians. He said, well, Brother Tim, well, you know, you got the COVID. And, and, and yeah, I had it. I had it for about a day. My wife had it about six hours. We got rid of it in a hurry. Amen. I couldn't wait to see its tail run out of the house. Amen. But I, we believed, right? We still profess, right? Amen. And I'm just going to say, if your loved one is laying there sick and dying in a hospital right now, he's the Lord God that heals all diseases. Amen. You need to claim that for them. Amen. So there, there, but, but again, he said, I will put none of these diseases on you. I want you to know, God didn't give me COVID-19. But God took it off. God doesn't give you infirmities. But God will take them away. Amen. God doesn't give you hereditary traits of sickness. But he'll take them away. Amen. God declared he would let no disease to come upon them as long as they were obedient to him. And that's still his promise. And he further promised, he says, the number of your days I will fulfill. Isn't that a great promise? It's even greater the older I get. Because the devil can't kill me until God's ready for me. He can't take my life until God says, your time's up. Amen. And so he said, the number of your days I will fulfill. And that's still his promise. In spite of how many at Corinth died prematurely and, and even more today are dying prematurely. But all of God's promises are ready there for us to claim when we believe it. Now, they must become ours personally. Again, now to every believer, born again, child of God, when death comes stealing at your door prematurely, the angel of God stands between you and the sickness. And if you want to run right on to it, that's your business, but you don't have to. He's standing between you and death. And Brother Branham was paralyzing, or, or, or paralleling, rather, the, 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 where Israel was, there at the Red Sea. And here comes, here comes the enemy right in behind them and going to destroy their life. And what happened? God stood between them and death. 
the Egyptians. The pillar of fire was there between them and the Egyptian. And he says, the angel of God stands between you and sickness. Amen. And he said, when death comes stealing to the door prematurely, the angel of God stands between you and sickness. Now, if you want to run right on to it, that's your business. But you don't have to. That's why I said, don't give up on the harvest. Because you'll reap if you faint not. Now, remember, Israel was not only applied the lamb's blood to the doorpost, which was a type of salvation from sin, but they also ate the lamb's body. And that is a type of healing from sickness. You know, sickness and sin, they come from the fall. They're kind of like twin evils. Sin set in the soul, sickness set in the body. Sin and sickness there is designed to tear down, to kill, to destroy God's creation. That's what they, that's, that's the work that they do. But God provided in the, in, to oppose this sin and sickness, these twin evils, God provided for us twin mercies. And those twin mercies is salvation from sin and healing from sickness. Those are God's twin mercies. Amen. And these mercies are to, to give you the abundant life of Jesus Christ for, you, for your journey that you can enjoy God's blessings. Now, when Jesus became our substitute, he bore our sins and our sickness. He did this in order that we might be delivered from them and from their power. Amen. He shed his blood for remission of sins and he put away our sickness and our infirmities so that we need to never suffer them again. Think about that. Jesus paid it all. Come on, somebody. You got to know this is the truth. Amen. God, when he provided out the atonement, it was for sin and sickness alike. He was not only to deliver there from the destroyer for the Israelite, but he was also the healer of their, their diseases. And in Malachi, Malachi 3 and 6, he says, I'm the Lord thy God and I change not. So if God provided in that exodus, wouldn't God provide it in this exodus? Wouldn't his attitude be the same as when he walked on the shores of Galilee toward sickness? Well, shouldn't our attitude toward sickness be the same? The Bible said he healed them all. Is it wrong for us to think that God wants us to be well? Is that error? Every Israelite would put the blood on the doorpost. They were protected from the death angel, the destroyer. Every Israelite who ate the lamb's body were freed from sickness and were made well and strong and healthy. This, this has always been God's plan. It, you know, it, it's his plan for redemption, for restoration, salvation. We, we're to be brought back and restored. Listen, the church has long forgot that God is not just a savior, he's a healer. 
You know, when David gave a praise unto God, what is it, Psalms 104 or something like that, he said, bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. He said, who forgives all your iniquities? That's the sin question. And who heals all your diseases? There's the sickness question. Provision has been made for deliverance for both sin and sickness by the same atonement. We sang the song when I come out, one of my favorites, one that stirred my heart as a young boy where that I made one of my first moves for Christ when I realized he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquity. We were singing in, in, in children's church. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my, my iniquity. And it so overwhelmed me, the realization of what he did for me, that I wept and cried, gave my heart to him. Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53, that most wonderful scripture of redemption. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. All of that, that's the sin question. And with his stripes, we were healed. There's the sickness question. So again, we see in the atonement, in the promise of the atonement, there was deliverance from both sin and sickness. Now, of course, you know, when you're delivered in your soul from sin, it's once and for all. Right? You never lose your salvation. But in your body, it's mortal. And until we get a new one, we're going to be attacked all the time. And it'd be like Paul was, you know, where a messenger of Satan would come and buffet him. And so that means time after time after time, he come and attacked, and he attacked, and he attacked. And you get healed tonight, and you'll get attacked again. But he's still the Lord that heals all. When Jesus began to preach the gospel of the kingdom, he proved he was a healer of sickness as well as a forgiver of sins. How many knows that's what they wanted to crucify him over was he forgave sins. To the man who was sick with the palsy, you know what that was? He was a paralytic. And there with being unable to walk, a paralytic, Jesus said to him, son, your sins are forgiven. So he provided forgiveness. We believe that, don't we? They didn't believe it then, but we believe it now, don't we? Amen. But he also said, now to prove that I'm able to forgive sins, said, take up your bed and walk. So you see, the very proof of him able to save from sin is in divine healing. Because if he can heal your body, he can certainly heal your soul. Now, Jesus ministered for three years. And all of those three years, he it was engaged in healing the sick and forgiving the sinful over and over and over again. He would say, thy sins are forgiven. They would ask him, you know, in a very, the only time that he was ever questioned about God's will for healing. And there was a leper that come to him and said, Lord, if it be your will, will you heal me of my leprosy? He said, I will. Be thou clean. 
He showed right there, that's his will. His will is that the lepers be clean, the crippled to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, to heal all manner of diseases and sickness. Then come that crucial time there at Calvary that we preach about so much and the world preaches about. He become our substitute. He became, oh, I hate to say it, but he became sinful with our sins. The Bible said he who knew no sin became our sins so that we could become his righteousness. Think about that. How many believes tonight that your sins were laid on him? at Calvary, that he paid for your sins. You believe that? But I want you to notice that not only would he become sinful with our sins, but he who never had to be sick. I'm letting that sink in. Because remember, he, in order to suffer for us, he, be, he took on the form of the seed of Abraham, the likeness of man. He didn't have to be sick. He would be made sick for you. <coughs> Just like he was made sin for your sins. He was made sick for you. Both sin and sickness had to be taken away or put away. But first, the penalty for both had to be paid. He would have to pay it. You remember when man sinned, immediately sickness came in. He lost his immortality. So redemption would have to include the redemption of the soul and the redemption of the body. Now, we know Jesus Christ, the worthy lamb, he was the only one that could do this. He did it. The Bible said he would do this because God so loved the world. If I could make that personal, God so loved you. I mean, you know, really it's no value to you as long as it's just to the world, but it's got to become personal to you. God so loved you. He gave his only begotten son. It was because of his love. His love constrained him to bear your sins and bear your sickness. At the Passover, the taking of the bread and the wine. And you know, he he tried to show his disciples what would be the effects of his suffering and that he would... uh, undergo and Paul would relate it later you know when he and and explain it even in more detail he says the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he break it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me and after the same manner He also took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament or the new covenant in my blood. 
And as often as you drink it, remember me. Remember. Remember why you have this atonement. Because I dearly paid for it. I paid it where you wouldn't have to be a sinner. And I paid it so that when you're sick, you could be healed. Probably this disciple sitting at the table with him didn't even know what was going on. They didn't understand him when he spoke those words. They didn't, they, they didn't comprehend. There was a lot of things they were missing. A lot of hardness in their heart and unbelief. And little, little could they expect what was coming. But it came. And it came for a reason. It was for your deliverance and mine. Jesus would go to that awful place of Calvary. He would take beatings on your behalf. The sufferings of Christ was tremendous. And I'm trying to get to you today. It was for a purpose. It would be the lamb dying in your place. You were the guilty. And you were the one deserving of death. But the lamb died in your place. Same with Israel. Israel had done just as many sins, perhaps. It doesn't really matter. All sin and fall short of the glory of God. Israel, they were, they were a sinful people as well. They were worthy of judgment and death. But God provided a lamb to die in their place. It wasn't because that they were innocent that they lived. It was because that God allowed the innocency of the lamb to be accounted to them. And so there was a death in their dwelling. That's why the death angel would pass over. Now, you know, they're there again at Calvary, at the hands of cruel men, terrible mocking. Jesus, our lamb, was beaten. He was spit on, bruised, tortured. His body, there, there would be deep furrows that would be plowed in his back. Until parts of his bones, of his spine, of his ribs would show through. He was lacerated with awful stripes of the, by the Roman lash. You know, on his, on his body, there were stripes by which Isaiah said, by these stripes, you were healed. Amen. Peter would, would agree with this and he would... He would say the same thing, by these stripes, he took this so you could be healed. Now, this was not a sacrifice for our sins. This was for the bearing of our sickness. He would die for our sins, but he would be beaten for our healing. The stripes were laid on his body that very day. Think of this for a moment. The day that he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. The, that same evening in Matthew 8, 16, when the evening was come, that brought him many that was possessed with devils, and he cast out spirits with his word. Remember me preaching about speaking the word? And healed, somebody help me preach, all that were sick. 
And that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. So they, 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 they striped him and bruised his body in the stripes by which we're healed, and they nailed him to a cross. They pierced his side. His, his blood would run down to the ground. His blood was shed for many for the remission of sin. Do we believe that tonight? Amen. But that blood was shed for sin, not for the healing of sickness. Jesus, our lamb, suffered two ways. He, is, he shed his blood on the cross for our salvation from sin. We got that. Amen. We believe that. But he bore the stripes on his body for our healing from sickness. He was atoning for both at the same time. His blood shed for sin. His body offered for your sickness. Now, I know you've been here a long time today, but hone in just a few moments. Jesus would suffer intense agony at Calvary until even, even God himself, the, the Father, would turn away from him. Reject him, the sinner. Bearing your sins. He would scream out, my God. My God, why hast thou forsaken me? He became forsaken. So you wouldn't have to be forsaken. But you know, in that excruciating pain and suffering that he, that he bore down there at Pilate's Hall, and when he was beaten with fists and hands there with the Jews, and all that happened, and he got all them, those horrible Roman lashes, he bore our sickness. He was literally made sick for us. So that by his stripes, we could be healed. Amen. Keep this in mind. Let me emphasize it. Jesus was not only made sin for us. He was made sick for us. Amen. The Bible said this is why he could be a proper mediator. Because there's nothing you go through that he couldn't say, I've been through it. You say, I've faced rejection, Brother Tim, from, from those, uh, my, my children, from my family, from this, from that one. From the, I've, I've suffered rejection. He did. You say, Brother Tim, I, 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 I go through, I, you know, I've been called bad names. And, 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 and as a Christian, I take ridicule. I, I, he did. He did everything that he might be a proper mediator. Amen. That he wouldn't be a, somebody who had sympathy with you, but he had empathy with you. In other words, he could say, I know how you feel. I've been through that myself. 
so that he could pull from God for you the deliverance you need. I want you to bear in mind, and I preached on it before, and we don't have time to preach everything that I could preach on this subject, but Jesus was also the scapegoat. As the scapegoat would, they would place all the sins of Israel upon it and take it out in the wilderness and leave it alone by itself. And this caretaker slip away and leave it there to be torn by the wild beast. Even so, Jesus went to hell for us. And he was torn and ripped by all the demons of hell. But on that resurrection morning, he changed from being the victim. Hallelujah. He changed from being the victim in hell to the mighty conqueror. And he rose up from the grave, free from the sin of man and the sickness he had borne. And he showed that he is a mighty conqueror over every sickness. Listen, when he come out of the grave, there was no, there was no crippleness. There was no staggering. There was no bleeding. Come on, somebody. There was no, there was nothing left of the sickness. It was gone. Because when he raised and he triumphed, he was healed of all of death. And he rose up, the mighty conqueror over all of it. Not crippled, not maimed, not torn, not bruised, not sore. He didn't walk with the men on the way to Emmaus and say, uh, brothers, I went to a pretty rough thing yesterday in my back here. And I've been laying on old hard stone there. In this grave, he didn't say none of that, did he? He walked among them, whole, healed, delivered. He was triumphed over cancer. He was triumphed over pain. He was triumphed over every infirmity. He rose victorious. When it was all ended, it was time for him to leave the earth and returns to the Father and sets down as our sacrifice and all things are finished. He had completely delivered mankind, both spiritually and physically, from all satanic bondage and gave us a deposit on each one. Even the Holy Ghost you have is not redemption in fullness. It's a deposit on your inheritance. And I'll tell you, if the deposit is this good, just think what heaven's going to be. But he didn't just give you a deposit within your soul. He gave you divine healing as a deposit on your resurrection. That just as sure as your body is healed, you will also raise from the grave. This is what Paul is trying to teach us in 1 Corinthians. That we've read about in the 11th chapter about the elements of this communion. Of the Lord's Supper. Two elements. By which we're to remember the sufferings of Christ. He said, remember this. 
I want you to remember. I want you to remember when you pass by, I paid for your sins. I want you to remember when you take this bread, I healed your diseases. I want you to remember, I gave my body for your healing. That when you take this bread, you are to remember, I took your punishment. Paul tells us, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he comes. He interprets these two, these two emblems, the cup of blessings. This is in 1 Corinthians 10, 16. He speaks of the cup of blessings which we bless. Is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So Jesus' blood was shed when he bore our sins so that we would not have to bear them. But we can be saved from them and delivered from the power of sin. Aren't you glad for that tonight? What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Redeemer. How we glorify God in that. But Jesus' body was also stripped and striped when he bore our sicknesses. So we would not have to bear them. But could be healed, delivered, set free from the power of sickness. We have divine healing, deliverance from the power of sickness because Jesus took your stripes. That's why we've got to understand when we come by this communion table tonight, we've got to discern the Lord's body. We've got to look at this bread, which he said is my body, and realize what it represents when we're taking it. We're taking the emblem by his stripes, by his broken body. He bore my infirmities. So I could walk away from this communion table healed. This is the gospel. This is what Brother Branham preached about the communion. This is why he said there's healing in the communion. Amen. Then, then we are free from sickness, just like we're free from sin. Amen. I believe tonight you can walk through here, receive the communion, and be just as free from sickness as you are sin. Amen. Because... Because sickness is not for God's glory. Amen. No more for God's glory than sin is for God's glory. Amen. We, you know, that sin and sickness was both done away with. When Jesus bore it all, the Bible said he, and, and the psalmist said, he paid it all. Ever bit. When he was pierced, scourged, beaten on our behalf. This is a different kind of prayer line tonight. I'm not going to lay hands on you. You're going to take the bread and you're going to hold it up. 
And you say, you're going to hold it up. And you're going to say, you were wounded for my transgressions. This is why I have the blood. Bruised for my iniquities. This is why I have the blood. But by these stripes on this body, I'm healed. Satan has no more claim. Because I have a deposit of eternal life. Because Jesus paid it all. We understand about the blood. What are we understanding about the bread? Do we eat it as a token of that Passover lamb? Just like the Israelites takes up the body of the lamb before, before the journey. We, we, we're here today. We're to give sacrifice. Our thanks, rather, for the sacrifice that Jesus paid on our behalf. Father, for his, his body that was offered up. But friends, let's just don't take it there. Let's just don't take it for the sin part. You know, most of us, we well know that Jesus was pierced for us. That he died in our place. That he paid for our sins. That it was paid in full by the blood of the Lamb. We're sure of that. But we don't realize the benefits that we could receive because his body was beaten for us. And why the stripes was laid on him. Who heals all diseases. And because that we're not discerning the Lord's body. That our healing is just as paid for as our sins. Many are sick and weakly among us. Tonight, when you come through this communion service, I want you to discern the bread. You understand the wine. Oh, the wine. The wine represents his life. Oh, the fruit of the vine. The grapes of the vine squeezed out and the life squeezed out so that you could drink it. It's called the blood of the grapes. That's the wine. But now, when we understand that, we understand that was for our sins. It is a type of the Holy Ghost. It is wine. It's alive. It's it's fermented. It has a life in it. Amen. It, 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 It bubbles up. It is there. It has a power in it. Why, brother, when I, was a, when I was a kid, my mother was making the wine for the communion. You, you take the, the, the wine as it would ferment and screw the lid down on it too tight. In a few days, it explodes, and it's there all over the city of Sealand because there's power in that wine. It has to have room to expand, to give out. And when you receive the Holy Ghost, there's power in that blood. And it's a, 
it's something that stimulates. It's something that invigorates. It's something that, that, that empowers. It changes your thinking. It changes your attitude. It's a relaxing time. That's the wine. But what about the bread? Too often we have forgotten or failed to been told about the benefits that we receive because his body was beaten for us. Each part of this communion tonight I've torn apart. This bread. I broke it already. In my home, as my wife would bake the bread, I took it and I separated each piece. The body that was whole, or that whole loaf, is now many pieces. It was torn, pulled apart, cut apart for each one of you. I did it with you in mind, but he did it with you in mind. And this is why that he would take this and he would do it for you to be healed. So you see, we got the blood of Christ and we're going to come down and we're going to pick up this, this little cup and each one of us will have our portion. They're individual cups. Each, each cup gets individually filled. Each believer has their own portion. Each believer has their own filling. Are you with me? I, I know, I know there'll be those across the internet and say, you know, Brother Tim, you're using cups and the Bible said cup. Well, so, you know, I've actually had people who's watched our communion service, especially some of the overseas brothers that write me and said, aren't you, aren't you ridiculous kind of denomination, you know, drinking out of them multi-cups? I said, well, that's what Brother Branham did. But you don't know that. So I'll just show you two in the, in the quotes. But nevertheless, I said, you know, it's strange. We get all, all nervous about a cup. And then when it comes to foot washing, the Bible said he took a pan and a towel and poured water. And he washed all of them's feet in the same water using the same towel in one pan. So I guess if we must have one cup, we'll only have one pan tonight and one towel to wash everybody's feet in. No takers? That's the way I feel about the cup. Now, so you see, Again, you know, we will everyone take our portion and we will look into that and we will think of the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And it's cleansed me from all sins and my sins are gone. But I want you to lift up that body, that bread. And I want you to look at it. I said, he gave this body so I could be healed. He took my whippings and bore my pains that I can walk past this communion line and be healed of all of my sickness. Are you ready for your healing tonight?
Are you ready to say in this cup is for, represents forgiveness of sin and in this bread represents the healing for my body. And I'm going to step from this table tonight healed. Because if they could take natural lamb, now I'm bringing it home to you. If they could take natural lamb and eat natural lamb and for 40 years not a sick one among them, then I can take this bread natural bread that we bless tonight I can take that and knowing just as it will go out and into my bloodstream and it will equip all kinds of little antibodies down in my body to go out and do its work all through my body and nurture cells and build them up I know, brother, when it represents the body of my Lord Jesus, amen, every bit of it is going to go to its place, and I'm going to be healed. In this way, I discern the Lord's body. We've read the communion scriptures tonight. I'm inviting the brothers to come. I want the musicians just to come for just a few moments. I want us to sing that song again, He Was Wounded for My Transgressions. It means so much to me. Isaiah 53 is one of the most sublime scriptures in the entire Bible. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was on him. In other words, he took the weapons the punishment that I should have got. And with the stripes, we are healed. Can we believe, as Brother Branham did, that there's healing in communion? Can we believe, as our message taught us, that we can come right through this communion line tonight? And as we take of the sacraments, be healed. It's His promise. Are you ready to walk in that healing tonight? You say, Brother Tim, what, what if I come through and I don't feel a thing? It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has to do with what God said. The mountain's moving. If only one grain of sand is moving, it's moving. And it's going to move. Because we believe his word. Now that what we're going to do, for those that are guests here, we, we don't have a closed communion. If you're believing Christ and you want to come take communion with us, you're welcome to come. That's what we believe. 
So it's not something just for our church. If you're you're visitor here and you want to take the communion, that's fine. We have an open communion. But what we do have tonight, we're going to also obey the Word of God. And we're going to wash one another's feet. And we have a place set up over on this side for the for the ladies, right over here in the hallway. We have a place right over here on this side for the men. Men's restroom facilities over here, women's over there. So there's no reason for the men to go where the women are, the women to go where the men are. This is a very wonderful place. God's and God could do us. He provided so well for us. So abundantly. We got a wonderful place. Every time we drive up to this place, we ought to thank God for it. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. There ain't hardly a thing in this building. There ain't a testimony of the grace of God, His blessings to us. But as we take the communion, the, the, the deacons will usher you by the row, and as they do, the first that's going to come through the lines will be the musicians and the sound booth up there so that they can get back for the after service. You'll file down here, you'll walk out, the men will go, go back out these doors right here and the men will go to the, my right and the women over to the left. There's, there's towels and now you can't wash every person's feet so just find someone that you can do it. It's a remembrance that we're here to serve. How many is here to serve? Amen. Humble ourselves down to serve. These are the three ordinances that's left to us. Water baptism. And we must be baptized in his name. There's nobody anywhere in the Bible that was ever baptized any other way than in the name of Jesus Christ. So you've got to be baptized in his name. Then we have communion and foot washing. These are the three ordinances left to the church. And we do this till he comes. Till that meeting in the air, in that corporal body where we meet the Lord, we do this till he comes. Amen. Don't worry about your right. I got you one. I said, don't worry about your right. I got you one. Amen. God provides every need. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, here is fragments of bread unleavened representing a a sinless body of our Lord representing a sinless bride of Jesus Christ. Unleavened bread. It's called the bread of haste. Where people lay aside the leaven to make the journey. Lord Jesus, before me also is the blood of the grape, representing your blood, your life that was poured out for us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll bless us tonight. Lord, I'm looking forward to my healing in this communion because I know you were wounded for Tim Pruitt's transgressions and you were bruised for Tim Pruitt's iniquity and the weapons Tim should have got you took from me and by your stripes 
him through his heel. I take it personal tonight. I pray that every person will do the same. Bless, I pray, in the name of Jesus, the bread and the wine as we partake of it tonight and every saint that comes through here. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this chorus just as a moment. I want you to get your mind on it now. He was wounded for our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And surely he Bible said that let everyone wait for the other. I want you just to take that moment, lift up that bread to God, that wine to God. It says this represents the forgiveness of my sins and healing for my diseases. Amen. And I want you to walk out of here a whole person as a miraculous power of God goes to work bringing you that deliverance.